<sighs> Babysitter wanted. <laughs> Carl Casey at White Bat Audio for our intro music. This track is called The Witch. I'm just going to start this episode by saying that Carrie and I had a little tiff over this movie that's out. Um, and I'm getting off track right out of the gate. <laughs> Don't you laugh at me. So I'm going through <laughs> Facebook and I'm looking at the Joe Bob page and everything is about Skinamarink right now. And she's like, oh yeah, I loved that as a kid. No, 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 no. I went to a show. I was really old. Too old. Listen, what is it? Pam, Lois, and Bram? Yes. Elephant show? Yes. Skin and Marinky? Not going to get into it. Yeah. So, no. And I will tell you, viewer, I mean listener. (laughs) Not viewer. Now, let's let's back it up. And I'm really going to get off track now for a second. That we just uh, finished recording our very first episode and um, you, you might want to check that out. We talked about probably one of our top, Carrie's favorite horror movie of all time, The Thing, 1982, Carpenter Classic. And it is called, the episode is called Whiskey Chess Rage. So, of course, naturally, we had to start drinking some whiskey, some Scottish whiskey, heavily smoked, peated, what have you. And in between the episode, um, I just spilled my whiskey all over the place. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing because... Usually he spills coffee. My daughter likes to make fun of me. Um, she says my Halloween costume should just be my regular clothes with the coffee stain on it. So but so now the whole place smells like heavily smoked peated whiskey. So anyways, where I'm going with all this, I don't know. But back to Skidamarink for a second. Just one second. Because you started going on and on <laughs> about... Like, almost kind of like they did with the new Winnie the Pooh horror movie. Did you know that that was a thing? What? Yeah, so it's, so, I don't know, like Blood and Honey or something it's called. There's a mask of Winnie the Pooh. I know nothing about it. We haven't watched it yet. We'll get there. So, Skinamarink. And, and listener, I may be really wrong because I'm going off what I'm reading on the internet's the Joe Bob Facebook page. Uh, the kids wake up in their house, basically, and the doors and the windows have vanished, which that thought alone, even if this is not correct, absolutely terrifies me. And then Carrie still keeps going on and on about her experiences with this as a kid. I'm like, no, you didn't wake up and your doors and windows vanished. You're still talking about the elephant show, Carrie. (laughs) To be fair, I have a lot of younger cousins, and that's why I went. Okay, so... What I will tell you, viewer, what I always start with is that, you know, just thank you for joining, join, thank you for joining, joining your life, joining us. So much joy. Um, thank you for joining, quit it, Dying for Midnight, aka DFM. Um, and as you can see, we are quirky, we're quippy, 
And we're awkward. So awkward that we're probably making you feel like an awkward <laughs> dear listener. Um, indeed, that's what we are all about, and we just cannot help it. So, you know, out there, whoever you are, whatever your background, we're all here at DFM because of our love to discuss all things horror. I mean, if you just let us go, I mean, there's so much uncut stuff that's going to happen to the show, so <laughs> whether we intend it to be or not. I, I hope this episode brings you all some comfort and joy. I'm so glad we got the first episode <laughs> under our belt because now I feel like, <laughs> you know, this is we're, we're a little looser and I'm glad for that. So, um, you know, guys, for fully, you know, uncut extended episodes, check us out on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you want to join us on Patreon, join us. I, we're going to try to do a lot of community interaction over there. There's some benefits. Um, there's some extra benefits. You'll pay the same price uh, for the mid-tier Patreon as you would with Apple Podcasts, but with some additional benefits. We're, we're looking forward to giving some people some shout-outs at the very least. There's a really nice plan for 2023 with some goodies down the road, more bonus content. We have um, lots of ideas. Lots of ideas coming down to horror conventions. We're living close to Gettysburg, the Edgar Allan Poe Museum. We're going to... Maybe use our journalism degree for once and bring you some exclusive on-site content. We so hope. We, we hope. So um, we're going to dive right into it now. This is the Comfy Horror Movie Review. And in today's episode, a.k.a. Satanic Panic meets, pep- meets Pizza Paranoia. Probably meant Pepperoni Pizza because that's a classic. Satanic Panic meets Pizza Paranoia. Alive. Live at 11. See, guys, it's already getting off the rails. Um, comfy horror movie reveal. And I'm just going to harp on this, this idea of comfy horror movie review just a little bit. Again, not as much as I attempted to the last episode. Um, but really, guys, just what are your favorite things to eat and do? Uh, we want to hear from you. Um, our favorite thing to eat and do during the second episode is to drink Scottish whiskey Spill it everywhere. Um, our dog is down here. She's probably even a little bit more comfy than we are. She's a poogle. Her name's Pumpkin, and she's super comfy right now, laying on the couch, being a really good girl. Um, funny that we did the thing, because now we're here on our second episode, and it's about 15 degrees outside with the wind chill, maybe 10 at this point in the afternoon um, here in Pennsylvania, and... It got really cold in the DFM vault, a.k.a. our basement. And um, we're really ticked that our sound panels have not come in yet. They're coming, so I apologize in advance for the echo. Please bear with us. Bear with us, yes. So, Carrie, we're going to dive in to House of the Devil now. Um, again, we got cold, so we've got like fleeces on, hoodies on, the whiskey's helping a little bit. Let, let's do this movie by T. West because this is over the past, I don't know, decade plus. And we've watched this movie many, many, many times. We've got the vinyl. My fanboy moment is that I actually interacted once with Jocelyn and Donahue over Twitter. It was very brief. It probably helped a lot more to me than it did her. And as Carrie's starting to find out, she's becoming like my screen queen crush. Yeah, sorry, Carrie. I, I love you, but you know, I, I, and I know that you've got your dudes that you like on the screen, which oh, is yeah. fine. So all in due time. All in due time. I, I'm gonna get. It'll be my turn next time. Production companies on this, you know, guys, just get comfy. 
Constructo, Constructo Vision, Ringlaging Entertainment, Glass Eye Picks. That's a name that you've been, everybody's been seeing lately. You know, on the indie scene, it seems to be like just Glass Eye Picks, a steady ascent over the past, I don't know, 14, 15 years. And was this Ty West's second film? T West. T West. Excuse me. I know for years we were saying it wrong. Yeah. Um, it might have been Jake that even corrected us way back when in college. Say that a question again. Was this his second film? So, apologies if we're wrong. I believe this is his second film. We're very much aware of the film that preceded this, which I assume is his first film. Was this his first work ever? No, I don't think so. I think there's something, was it Trigger Man that even came before this? So anyways, The Roost. And that's a movie that we're going to talk about sometime because we, we love The Roost. The Roost, we'll talk about the cast connection. Um, looks like, looks like the panels just came. I can look up our storm windows and I think I just saw the dude creep in at our front door. I thought I heard the beep. Okay, cool. So anyways, guys, sorry about that. Um, there, there's a cast connection from the roost to the, to T West, you know, Tom Noonan. Um, so first, you know, okay. The production company's covered. Before we move on any further, I want to know, um, one of the people responsible for this film, and I'm sorry I'm not covering everybody, Larry, is it Fessenden, from that mid-90s vampire film called Habit. And I watched that for the first time on The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, more recently, um, he's had some smaller roles um, in movies like The Mumblecore. You know the whole Mumblecore. That's when we were in college. It was The Mumblecore. That, that's what T. West and his crew was all about for a while. Lasted, you know, I don't know, a good 8 to 12 years. Uh, Mumblecore Slasher, he was in that movie, Year Next. He was the guy that got killed and that interesting music was playing as he was dead on the, the living room furniture. Uh, Year Next, he was that guy in the beginning. Um, and he was in that other interesting uh, movie, the werewolf movie, that's in the spirit of the howling called Late Phases. Remember Ethan Embry was in yes. that one? Um, distributed by the MPI Media Group, I actually first heard about this because, Carrie, when you and I were first married, we had said, I remember these conversations, wouldn't it be really cool to be able to like spend a weekend, um, get a cheap room somewhere, and go to one of these film festivals? So I actually heard about this. I don't, I don't think we we're ever going to be able to go to Tribeca at that point in our lives, and maybe not That's even anytime soon. an ultimate goal. That Dream goal. Someday. Although I wasn't... Cons at some point. Yeah. But the film festival wasn't there. Okay. Well, okay. Well, you're closer to that than me then. So, um, yeah, it, this this was released in April at the Tribeca Film Festival. And then later in late October 2009. So that's when we were still kind of in the newlywed phase. Um, running time, 95 minutes. We've got, of course, my scream queen crush, Jocelyn Donahue as Samantha Hughes. Tom Noonan, that's the guy who plays the the butler in The Roost. He's kind of like a little semi-horror host thing going on. As Tom Noonan is Mr. Ullman here. Um, I mean, Tom Noonan, he was in a lot more than we're going to be able to give him justice for yeah. here. Um, he was in, gosh, Wolfen. Um, he was in Manhunter, was it? That was the original... Uh, Silence of the Lambs or, or Red Dragon. It was kind of like a combo of the two a little bit. Um, Mary Warrenoff is Mrs. Ullman. She's another just she 
she's underrated um underrated overrated just about rated that that's all up for that's subjective um the very well-known Greta Gerwig is Megan before she got famous before she got famous AJ Bowen um as Victor Ullman aka the pizza delivery guy and was he also in your next yeah and he yeah I mean he <laughs> wasn't as vicious as in, I mean yeah actually he was vicious in yeah. your next a different yes, kind of vicious but um AJ Bowen listener you might remember he actually played the uh, vice reporter in the sacrament um and, and maybe we'll touch on that a little bit later uh d wallace is the landlady i mean speaking of the howling uh d wallace she's in a lot et uh popcorn they featured popcorn on joe bob this past fall cujo i mean there's just dozens with d wallace and she doesn't get the credit that she deserves, really. I mean, outside of the horror community, I don't see a lot of people talking about her career. We love Dee Wallace. Yeah, and then, uh, and then, and then, so this uh, Daniel Noah's mother, um, Carrie. Is is there anything um, you want to talk about right now? I know we're going to move on later to fair, favorite character that's not a lead. Any quick notes? Uh, no, nope. no. I think I just said everything that I wanted to say about that, except for Tom Noonan. I, I can't believe that his connection to this movie. I mean, he's such a well-known actor. I think he bring he brings. Um, it's like it's. They always say it's like the steadying force. You there's, know, he, there's such subtle nuances that anybody that hasn't been in films or on in theater wouldn't understand um he's he's really it's such a subtle performance um i, I just think if there's one takeaway it, it's that it, it's tom noonan when i think of this cast and have you noticed because we recently we watched the movie the cane has a wolf on it which I picked up on. Wait a second. Are you sure about that? I think so. I don't know, because I thought it was more like a griffin. Okay, well, anyways, anyways, somebody out there, feel free to yes. correct us. So, um, listen, I'm, I'm going to move on now before we get too far off track on... on now I'm going on villains. Villain canes in horror movies. <laughs> that is a whole episode just on that. It's gotta, There's got to be an episode's worth of content for that. So, anyway, so... Poster artwork and tagline. So, learn the name if you don't know already. Neil Kellerhouse. So, I, I read an interesting article on this. There's five poster designs in total. There's some some articles you could Google about why there have been so many variants, but we're keen to the ones that are the tribute to the 70s and 80s Satanic Panic, the real time area, the subgenres and horror at the time. Um, Really, the ones that look like if Samantha herself were walking around, you know, outside and around her small college town, Samantha went to the movies in the early 80s in her college town, okay? Um, those posters that just have that period piece look like they would have come out in 1983. The tagline that we enjoy, talk on the phone, finish your homework, watch TV, die. It's simple like the posters, the ones that we love. Now, there's that bluish poster that's more heavily featured. Um, 
that it's well maybe not as heavily featured but it's got anyway it's got the eclipse and it says a total eclipse of your senses hmm. uh, and I thought that that was interesting that, um, that is because they heavily focus on eclipses in this movie and I, I would actually be interested to know if there was an eclipse in the early 80s which spawned this fascination I'd have to, you know, there's all the lunar cycles and the calendars out there and whatnot. But there's also another, not to get too far off track, uh, with Tom Noonan's cane and and calendars. Uh, there's another poster out there, listener, that's more straightforward. Uh, that reminds me of the of the old American Werewolf in London poster. What's up? You're pointing at me. Yes. So. There is, I, I just did a quick search and research right now. So there was a total solar eclipse on February 16th, 1980. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. So, Carrie, when you look at our favorite poster, the one that's mm -hmm. got her, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think... You know, she's this typical final girl type. Whether or not she survives, you don't know. But, you know, she, it's got this house in the background. And you're looking at her and you're like, oh, wow. She looks like she's been through a hell of a lot. <laughs> pun intended. Hell, Satan, devil. That um, wasn't pun intended, but, you know. Okay. So, so you're talking about the poster... That's everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's really, it might be the, the one that's got the most distribution. Mm -hmm. um, it's got the fire on it, right? So yes. that's symbolic. Well, yeah, burn, burning it down. I mean, and you also have the, the fact that hell equals fire, burning hell down, you know, is... So I heard, and I, and I, I just found this out last night. I was watching somebody's podcast and um or listening to it and um it was it was from around the time it was like youtube anything that you go on youtube and it says you know 13 years ago or whatever we're getting old and youtube has been around for a while now okay so anyways about that house t west was telling the interviewer that um if you went to the house today that sunroom mm -hmm. that that they that shot goes in on her from the outside and just shows her walking around he talks about how you know how they had to completely strip the outside of that or not the outside the inside of the house and how he was going for the weirdness of oh you know what would it be like to be walk you know at some point a lot of us you're in somebody ah, you're at somebody's house i got to go to the bathroom and that oh that temptation of let me look underneath their sink let me look at you know in the medicine cabinet he wanted to put that, not saying I've ever done that, he wanted to put that feeling of it's her snooping around the house Well, it's, and how weird of a feeling I think it's is. a natural thing. Yeah. You're in a new environment. You're going to check your surroundings. If, if you're a sane enough person, you're going to check your surroundings and you're going to understand where you are, where you need to exit, if should you need to exit. Bug out. Yeah. So... Speaking of the house and, and set location, so a quick note on the location, and this is also something that I just found out about this movie, and I, I was talking to you about this segment of the episode before. Listener, do you know the name of the college where House of the Devil was filmed? So it's filmed, was filmed at Central Connecticut State University. 
CCSU. And I'd ask you, Carrie, do you know the name of their mascot? Kaiser, okay? So do you know what Kaiser is? A blue devil. So CCSU is literally the house of the devil. Which is hilarious because I had cousins that went to a high school where their mascot was Blue Devil. As I finish this whiskey up. Um, I mean, to me, you think of the Duke, the Duke University. Mm -hmm. the, the Devils, listen guys, I think we've got a bigger problem on our hands than we even realize. There's devil mascots everywhere. Okay, you know, CCSU, I know you're not really the house of the devil. Okay, but I thought that that was really cool, and I wonder... I mean, obviously he had a, somebody in charge of set... Um, Carrie just spilled her whiskey now. You made me. So, no, 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 you're going to do what I did, and you're going to live with it for a while. So, <laughs> watch your language, the children. Um, you know, I just never knew in all these years that we've been watching this movie. Go ahead and clean it up. Do you want to... Tell me what yeah. you just found because you're so, freaking out. You spilled the whiskey and then you started freaking out. You're not really freaking out about the whiskey. I you're never spill about... stuff. I can't say the same for myself. Go on. What were you going to bring up? So I just looked up and found out the day that I was brought home from the hospital, June 11th, 1983, there was a total solar eclipse. Dun, dun, dun. Um... That is really strange, and that is strange. That the, the fact that you love this movie as much as you do, I mean, I love it too. I always knew that you were a little on the strange side, Carrie. Of course, that's what attracted you. So, <laughs> listen, as I, I'm sure it goes for fellow horror fans out there, fellow hounds, you've got to have the intellect and the humor and the strangeness, and, and that's where we feel the attraction comes from. Now listen, the fact that you're still with me after 20 years, I've really put the, pulled the uh, blinds over you, so I'm good on me for fooling you as long as I have. Um, you kidding me? I fooled you. <laughs> I don't cook. He That's does. That's true. That's true. Okay, let's focus. So, we're going to move on to the soundtrack. We've got the vinyl, okay? Oh yeah, uh, the opening theme of House of the Devil Sounds like moving in stereo by the cars. Um, you know, headset and all. We see Samantha and the title card. It just all comes together nicely. You know what kind of horror movie you're about to watch, right? It's traditional. It's no frills. But it really sets the tone. And I, I agree with what T. West said. He was not going out of his way to, look how 80s this movie is. He wanted to make a period piece horror film about the satanic panic and that if that movie was made that year pretty good chance that the title card and the intro would have looked something similar in the tone and feeling and atmosphere so um, I'm going to go right to the first song that I noticed and it's probably it's probably not the first one anybody thinks of and we'll talk about this other song Probably, you know, some other time or later in the segment. We'll see. But Thomas Dolby. Um, and if you don't know who that is, most know him from his, you know, Blinded Me With Science song. I was about to say Weird Science, but that was Oingo Boingo. And actually our Male Wolf's favorite band. 
Um, and if you get that Wolf Oingo Boingo reference, kudos to you. Do you understand the reference that I just made? I don't know. Okay. To be determined. To be determined. You had one word right. Okay. Oingo Boingo, who do you want to be today from Teen Wolf 2? That's why I brought that up. Mm. So anyways, bringing it back around to House of the Devil. Thomas Dolby's songs, uh, one of his songs, One of Our Submarines, playing in Megan's car on the way to Samantha's job. It's just one of those ones. Like, do you remember as a kid, you were watching a movie? Like, yeah, there's dirty dancing music and it's all up there and it's a big production. You know what those songs are. But this song, One of Our Submarines, is in the background. It's like a low volume. And when I watched this movie the first few times, it just I had no clue what the song was and it paid much, but it helped with the vibe, the atmosphere of the movie. Replayed it. It reminded me of being in a car with my parents and older siblings um, late at night. It's a song. It's one of those songs like that's in your head. Like, yeah, I remember being with my mom and dad somewhere or my family somewhere. And I remember that memory and I remember a song. I can generally kind of hum it, but I don't remember it. I don't know the song. I don't know the artist. It's just one of those very 80s moments, and I had to find out what that song was. Lots of World War II personal history for Thomas Dolby uh, in that song. Um, and, and when I say personal, I mean, you know, directly affected by that um, and, and somebody in his family from World War II. Look that up if you can, guys. Um, made the song a little bit sadder for me, but it, it, it's still a, a worthwhile song, even if you don't know anything behind it. Yeah, when you put when you put that song on, it, it immediately just takes you, um, and not just the '80s. There's the early '80s, and there's the early '80s electronic synth. That's a whole completely different feeling than MTV post MTV release, where we started we started getting more mainstream and kind of poppy bubblegumish. Um, with when you think of the '80s axis, this was this was late recession early 80s vibe with this song and just to note as a personal connection to us both our grandparents our grandfathers all three actually all three of our grandfathers um fought in world war ii in some way as i'm sure as i'm sure listeners a lot of your grandparents or great-grandparents did and actually my great aunt she actually was a rosie riveter so I, I've got you, and you know I have some stories about my grandfather in the Pacific and yeah. you know, lying about his age and um, surviving a typhoon. and the, the, So we're, we're getting off track now with our own personal stuff. Sorry. So um, as you know, Carrie, you talk, you talk about one thing and it can lead to, to another. another. <laughs> Which was I not was planned. Re- I, was re- I was reading ahead <laughs> while you were talking about it. Let me do some really believe, awkward Believe it or not, segue. it was not planned. Okay, so go for it. <laughs> so my favorite of the soundtrack is One Thing Leads to Another by The Fix. This song, no matter where I am when this plays, it makes me feel like I need to get up and dance. Just like the lead character, played by Jocelyn Donahue, gets up and she's you know, dancing around, listening to her Walkman. I mean, whoever grew up in that era, you had a Walkman growing up, especially ladies. Come on, ladies. You know you had a Walkman, and I, you know you did some of those dance moves. You grew, you grew up in that era? That's what you said, I'm pretty sure. Era. 
Oh, listen, we all grew up with some errors, so that's for sure. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I, I just noticed that. Dancing around the house. I mean, it brings me back memories. I mean, it just makes you feel like she was just a regular girl just trying to make some money to save up and get out of a bad situation with her roommate. I can totally relate to that. I had a really bad situation with my first roommate. Kind of like the same as Samantha did. Pretty much the same. Exactly. Um, yeah. So some things never really change. Way back, way back when in 2003, the early... Two. We still, okay. 2002. Yes. The early to mid-2000s is when we were in college, and I, I know what you're talking of. Um, so, I mean... You know, you're talking about girls and, and that feeling back then. And isn't there the Madonna song? The Madonna song even talks about being in your room dancing by yourself. I mean, yeah. that's a whole it, 80s theme. It, it's not just an 80s thing. It's something that, like, it's a rite of passage for a girl. Like, whenever you're feeling blue or you're feeling down, when that one song comes on that you gets you up and that you just want to have fun and just dance, <laughs> it... Really, and I just had a conversation with our daughter about this coming back from her activity about how girls just want to have fun and let loose. <laughs> really, truly. By Cindy Lauper. Um, I totally set you up, by the way, to get you saying girls just want to have fun. <laughs> but you didn't know that we just had that conversation. No, I did not. So, anyways, not to get off track. So, but the point is so, what you're saying is that some things never really change. Yeah, yeah. Even now that we got the, the Bluetooth and the, you know, the wires and, you know, it's not the three pounds of player on your hip. And I can remember as a girl, I had trouble falling asleep and I used to listen to my Walkman to fall asleep. And that's how I fell asleep. So Walkmans, when you're not feeling safe, is a thing to fall back on to make you feel safe to give you that false sense of security. At the same time, that, that just, for our generation, is so iconic to, and I think it adds to get girls to want to watch this movie. I can't disagree with that. And uh, as I said, Jocelyn Donahue is my horror scream crush, and uh, I really enjoy watching her dance. It's just adorable. It's an adorable scene, and it's, um, like you said, she's making herself feel comfortable in that home, as weird of a situation that that is. So anyways, before I get a shovel and dig myself a hole, talking about Jocelyn Donahue, um, we're going to move on. Anymore. Anymore. Get it out of your system. <sighs> Sorry, Jocelyn Donahue. If there's an off chance that you're listening to this, that, I can't help That it. one tweet has gone far. Stop it. Um, we're going to move on, for my own benefit, to favorite character <laughs> that isn't the lead. Um, you know, great at Gerwig is Megan. Okay. Um, she's, she's my favorite character that is in the lead. To note, if you all didn't already know, and I know a lot of you do, because that's, that's why you're here with us. You're horror hounds just like us. She directed that Lady Bird movie that had five Oscar nominations. I mean, she was nominated herself for Best Director, Best Original Screenplay. Um, <laughs> you touched on The Roommate earlier. Now, there's the bimbo-ish roommate with the bad hygiene and bad manners. Um, you know, she's the opposite of our leading lady, Samantha. Uh, her friend um, is also op opposite. 
not in a bimboish way. She's like in a sisterly, kind-hearted, generous manner. She's um, the voice of reason. She is the voice of reason. You know, she's protective of her friend, and there's something something interesting there. You know, this is and doing this podcast, I really started thinking about things that I, I wasn't before. There's some really and and viewers, you tell me if I'm looking too. Not deeply. viewers, listeners. Somebody's viewing this on YouTube, even if they don't see us. They're just seeing that DFM sitting there um, with the audio. So, listen, everybody. Um, I think there is some social commentary to this movie um, that I don't think anybody really touches on. Okay? Megan character, she comes from money. She offers Samantha money from her dad towards rent. She drives, what is it? Like, a, it's some Euro. It's not a BMW. Is it a Volvo? I think I, it's I a think, Volvo. I think. Correct so us she, if we're wrong. So she aligns herself with somebody like Samantha that's below her socioeconomic status. And her generosity to someone not coming from the same means, spoiler alert, leads to her death. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, yes, but, you know, we must mention that after Mr. Allman seemingly stiff Sam... Megan went around pulling down all the help wanted ads, which brings me to my favorite character, and Tom Noonan. And you still, listen, I think a lot of people would say Tom Noonan. I gave you Tom Noonan. <laughs> this is, <laughs> you. I love this movie, you love it even more, and so that's why I let you pick this section first. Since I'm such a gentleman. Since you I'm such a me. gentleman, Jocelyn. <laughs> Go ahead. Get it out now. Okay. So, okay, you and Tom Noonan, yes. go for it. Um, he just makes those those lines said by anybody else just creepier, especially after watching this many, many, many times. There's new things that I still pick up on. Um, he's so talented. He's been around for a long, long time, and he brings such experience and credibility to the cast that they play off of him, and getting... Jocelyn Donahue to play off of that. I mean, the scene where he's in the kitchen with her and he he knows he scared her and he, by getting with a tapping and then he gets up to kind of like, and then he pauses and pulls back to say like, I'm normal, even though you viewer are not, you know he's not normal. You can tell immediately he's not normal. And she's in the situation because she wants to get out of a bad situation. Mm-hmm. And any other girl can relate to that, getting out of wanting to get out of a bad situation. Yeah. So he's got a nuanced performance. I mean, you pick up, you're hitting it. You pick up on all these other things. If you watch it multiple times, I swear each time you watch it, you could pick up on more nuances in the performance. Every line that he says feels very purposely written. Um, and it, I mean, he's such a he's such a talent. Yeah, yeah, he is. He, I mean, again, I wonder how he got interested in the project. Well, we know he had the relationship um, with with T West already from the Roost, which came out before this. Um, and if you haven't seen the Roost, I think it's really, you know, it, it is low budget, but it's it's fun. It um, still freaks me out for other reasons. Yeah. Uh, do you want to share, or is that for another time? Um, okay, so I, I, I have just just a note. I have a fear of birds. 
Oh yeah, so the birds, the bat. Yeah, you don't you don't dig the bats yes. in that one. So so yeah, he played the master's butler host of sorts. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I I hate birds because of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, but I'm not the only one in my family that hates birds. Yeah. So I don't know how that means, but you know. Yeah, I mean, I as we said earlier, wolfen. That's such an interesting take on werewolves. Yeah. And then um, we we already uh, brought up Manhunter earlier. Yeah. Uh, that that that's the other The Silence of the Lambs movie that people tend to forget. If I didn't let you go first, I probably would have picked Tom Noonan because it, it's Jocelyn Donahue and Tom Noonan. It's their movie, it in is. my opinion. It's the two of them yeah. and, and how they interact with each other and everybody else, I think, is supporting yeah. them. Agreed. Um, but as far as Back to the Sons of the Lambs, I mean, it's, and I'm just going to go off on a tangent here. And, in college, I took a course in psychology, and I wrote a paper on Ed Gein. And Science of the Lamb is based off this real-life person, Ed Gein. If you don't know who Ed Gein is, go look him up. You'll see. Yeah. And there's something about horror fans. I tend to find they know quite a bit about serial killers and, and quite a bit about true detective cases and and uh, that, that's something we're going to touch on, on on future episodes, for sure. We're, we're going to touch on, you know, things like uh, The Town that Dreaded Sundown or Seven. There, there's an episode for horror fans just around, you know, detective-themed horror movies. So Yeah, and going back to Greta Gerwig, just one more yeah, quick note. Yeah. Um, her being the voice of reason, she tells her, Samantha... This is so stupid. Yeah. This is yeah, so stupid. She said, uh, oh, they lied to you. They lied to you. Like, that should have been your first yeah. red flag, that they lied to you. You should have been gone and out. Yeah. And out the door. And any normal person that wasn't desperate for money for to get out of a bad situation would have left. Don't accept anything less than $1,000. <laughs> but then, but then you have the thing. But you know what? You what have was to it, think four or five hundred dollars. Four hundred dollars. Four hundred dollars. That's nineteen eighty-three money. What is that, that today? Somebody do the math for us. But yeah, yeah. I mean, in her situation, she's thinking, "Oh, that's a couple months rent. That's food. I can really she's make desperate. this work." She's desperate. She wants to get out of that situation. Yeah. Um, Greta Gerwig's character Megan, she actually saves a lot of girls from falling into this same path by taking all of those those yeah. posters down. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, that's a really good point. And, and again, and again, I'd like to know if, and maybe somebody can, can mail us this or reach out to us somewhere, um, you know, hit us up on Patreon even, directly message us there if you, if you decide to join our family over there. Did T-West and uh, Jocelyn, did they have a, a, a big back and forth around Samantha's backstory because she, you know, there's that scene where she turns on all the faucets and cries in the bathroom stall. What situation is, I mean, we can make some educated guesses about Samantha's background and um, you could, you could tell that's not, that's not a, a normal college kids out, you know, there's, oh, I'm a poor college kid. Yeah, but you're, you know, you, you probably work and you, you pay for your 
meals and all that kind of stuff. I mean, she was she was coming from a desperate situation. I would guess that there's something with her home life and upbringing um, that also made the whole situation rough for her. And then did Omen? How deep did Omen Ghoul go <laughs> to exploit exploit a lot of these college girls? I mean, obviously they had a history of what they came from the desert. So yeah. what other what other universities and, and areas with teenage to co-ed? This isn't their first time. Oh yeah, absolutely not. So that brings us to um, favorite deaths and effects. Carrie, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna let you start on this one again since it's, such a gentleman. I love I love special effects. There's a special place for special effects, and you know. Um, I really enjoyed the scene at the end, you know, with the ritual, the camera movement alone, showing the, the sheer terror, seeing her stomach move was horrifying and squeamish. And for a good girl who, you know, this Samantha character seems to be normal good girl, you know, she's just horrified. So, and, so what, what, what's your favorite death? Um, the, my, going back to that, my favorite death is tough. Um, the pizza delivering son who, who's, you know, in the sacrament. Oh, that, okay. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah, plays yeah. your next, I think with AJ. Yeah, he play, yeah. Yes. Um, he gets it by Samantha, which is from a woman's perspective and a girl's perspective is satisfying. Yeah, I agree. Um, and she doesn't even realize that at that time that he killed her best, her best friend, Megan. And she discovers that later. It's ultimate revenge on her part, but she doesn't know it. That's an interesting concept. That's, um, yeah, you got revenge and you didn't even know it yet. Um, effects. I'm going with effects and death at the same time, which also ties into my favorite character. Megan's death in the car, that's completely jarring. She's there, she's lighting up her Siggy. That kill is cold-blooded. Again, with the social commentary, I keep coming back to that with this film and I haven't thought about that until recently. It just seems like <laughs> if Megan's dad was a written character with dialogue, he probably hoped she was at some college club or formal mix or whatever with some other people, you know, of her own status, not smoking it up in a graveyard, waiting for the bestie that put her in the situation, you know, waiting for her off the beaten path at some very, at best, strangely behaved odd couple's house. But my, uh, further rewatching this, did they take out something to make her stop? Did they disable her car that made her stop? Or did she stop because she wanted to smoke up? I noticed that, that she was having issues and that's why she pulled into the graveyard. I don't remember that part. I mean, I remember her pulling in the graveyard. I don't remember her having issues. Yeah. Okay. See, that you got a better memory on these little things. Yeah. Um, I mean, the original plan was for Megan to go back to town to see her boyfriend. And then when Samantha calls her and hopes she's back and she hasn't picked up, causes Samantha a little paranoia. Um, you know, if she hadn't stopped or been forced to stop, she and she kept going she would have been safe maybe yeah um this is very 70s 80s horror like and that there's not a huge death count uh you know that isn't what made 70s you know to early 80s horror great it was the atmosphere 
It was getting to know a few characters and caring about them. It wasn't gore. It was storytelling and atmosphere. I mean, look, gore has its place. You know, it definitely doesn't mean this is coming from the guy who I, I finally got you to watch the terrifying movies. And, and I know there's even worse, quote unquote, worse stuff out there. I mean, there's people love splatter. That's a thing. And, and some of it is so much. It's so over the top. How could it bother you? Because it's just so ridiculous. But everybody's different, you know. Everybody's got a limit. That's another episode. Clowns are a whole other level Clowns. for me. I just, ever well, since I saw it, I, 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 speaking of being five in our last episode, my first introduction to horror that I saw was the, the scene in it where he blows himself up at the bank at five. Um, I like Tim Curry's Pennywise. I like the actor who plays the new remake Pennywise. I like him a lot, actually. I can't get into the remake, and that's a whole other episode. I, I've seen it. Yeah. I, I think I've, I... Honestly, I think I fell asleep during part two. It could have been because I wasn't feeling good. I don't remember. Anyways, I'm not bagging on the new It, the most recent It. It's just... So, I think for the younger generations who were not around for Tim Curry's version... That's their first exposure to it, so I completely get it. Again, I don't. I, there's really not a horror movie out there I hate. I don't hate the new it, but if I was and I'm not a younger person in their twenties, I am thinking that art is way more terrifying than Pennywise. For real. Okay, we didn't have a clown. I mean, there was clown movies. We didn't have a clown to compare to Pennywise. The, the younger folks, the younger horror hounds out there, they do. So again, reach out to us. Let us know which one's more terrifying. Or maybe we're talking apples and oranges And do here. you have a fear of clowns? I certainly do. <laughs> so. Even before I saw that, I had a fear of clowns. So now we're going to get into reaction ratings. Okay. Just a quick rundown. It's only our second episode. We're going to do flamethrowers instead of sars it's flamethrowers five flamethrowers if we rate it five flame five, 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 five it's a dr seuss book <laughs> so five is a white whale i'm not sure we're ever going to get to rating a movie five flamethrowers that means the movie's perfect four is my c three is flawed but fun highly rewatchable two is okay we see why people enjoy this yeah it's got a following but i don't think it's going to be high on on your list or I list if either one of us rated One is not our cup of tea, and it's, I love tea. Yeah. Haha, <laughs> it's cute. Still has some minor moments to note. A one still, a one still, all movies have some value, value. to them. Okay? Certain horror hounds may rate a one higher than we do. Zeros, um, so bad, but not in a so bad it's good sort of way. Um, I've said this last episode. We, uh, it's going to be hard pressed to find a zero. It might be more of we we can't stand to watch this because it it's too there's, much there's real some violence reason. or um, it hits too close to home for one of us or it's um you know sexual violence. Uh, I know Which some I I have a real issue with sexual violence. And, well, I think everybody does, but I know it's very personal for you too. Yes. Um, I, you know, the last house on the left. That's a line for some people. I, I, I had a hard time watching that movie. So some people might give that a zero and that and that's fine. Uh, we wanna hear we wanna hear why people 
think some popular ones are zeros or ones or twos and why some great ones are zero ones and twos. Um, all opinions welcome. This is all subjective, of course. Um, we, we love to hear all sorts of opinions. I mean, that's where the real good discussion comes in. Uh, and that's what, that's what make horror fans great. I mean, we can all be horror fans and not like the same thing. So, and our first real date was at a horror movie. Yeah. Yep, and we can we'll we'll talk we'll a little bit more about that some other point. But um, so my score, I'm giving this three and a half flamethrowers. Um, we've watched it a ton; it's highly rewatchable. My only flaw or slight knock on it uh, is that it's it's an ode. It's not really an original concept, but what is these days? Okay, there's some unexplained odd moments that the, they would have had one or two more lines. Um, like this movie has a thing about odd tasting pizza at the restaurant that seems like a thing, but then it's never touched on again. I mean, maybe it might've been, you know, it might've been a thing. I'm being nitpicky, but this is, this is a sweet spot for T West and you see his odes all throughout his career. The roost, the innkeepers, not a big fan of the sacrament. If you've watched the, the, some of the top Jonestown massacre documentaries out there, you've watched the sacrament already. Um, I really enjoyed X, um, we haven't watched Pearl yet. We want to. Um, heard already that the third X entry is going to be great. Um, there's some horror TV show episodes he's directed. And I'm missing a lot of what he's accomplished, I'm sure. One in particular, TV, T-West episode that we enjoyed. Um, it was from the Screen TV show. Based, uh, brought to you by MTV. Yeah, yeah. One, um, it's still sad they didn't finish the Brandon James story from season yeah. one, too. That, that show took some chances and had some nice red herrings. Cliffhanger was fun. Still going to say it was Tom Everett Scott, uh, his character who framed Brandon James back in the 90s. Can you answer me, listener, why doesn't this earth have more Tom Everett Scott? I mean, he came out like a cannon in that thing you do. And uh, Tom Everett Scott, you've been teasing us ever since. Okay, so... Get I'm, back to it, Tom Everett Scott. Yeah. Getting off track with the Tom Everett Scott <laughs> line of thought. Carrie, you rate this because I, I know you really love this and even more I do. so than me i do i love it for many reasons so i gave this a form of four flamethrowers uh, i really love the 80s throwback in every way down to the clothes the dancing the walkman uh, you can tell that t west really has a love of that decade um i grew up in that decade you grew up in that decade a, you know, in combination with the early 90s. I do prefer thriller horrors. That is my go-to. So someone like me, the setting, the music, the dialogue, the storytelling really hits home. I, I love the scene where Sam and Megan are sitting at that pizza place in the beginning talking about money for rent. It brings me back so many memories of eating greasy pizza at a mom and pop place. Having a fountain coke and the, the pizza, it takes you all back to part of your childhood and young adult. Um, even in, in college, we went to that one place at the mall that had that greasy pizza that we, you know, they it's still, still a theme. They still had the TVs you put yes. a quarter in. I mean, that was yes, before our that time was. even yet. But uh, yeah, I mean, there was still, Kmart was still there. Yes. Um, with Little know. Caesars in it. Yeah, Kmart with Little Caesars in it. It had, what was it, uh, I forget the name of the regional movie theater chain that was there, but... Cinemark? It might have been Cinemark. I think. 
Yeah. Something it, something it, movies it, it, four and had four screens. Yeah. You could walk in the theater from the inside of the mall that had like the cheesy blue fountain. Yeah. Uh, with the with the 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 really, very 80s ish actually. Yeah, the brick everywhere and the brick fountains. Yeah, I think that place was called Capri Pizza, but anyways. Yeah. It I really mean, it really connects to your childhood. Yeah. And as the one tagline states it connects directly to your senses. Ooh. <laughs> Stop it. Um, <laughs> so where does that bring us? Overall podcast score and final comments. So four, three point five. So we're giving this a three point seven five, ever so slightly flawed, because I'm nitpicking. And it is a must see. You know, it, it is it still falls into the must see category. Um those that might roll their eye to films that scratch that nostalgia itch might not rewatch this as much or give it a, a high two to low three. I think I saw on Shutter they gave it like three skulls. I challenge you to rewatch it and pick up on things. Who, me? No, people. Just anybody in general? <laughs> Throw down. Uh, is it, um, you know, if you're all about like, well, I've seen this a million times before and this is just like every cliche and you're just like, no thanks, then I, look. It's fine. You don't have to like House of the Devil. You don't even have to let you can like it and not love it. Whatever. I wonder though, in general, do men or women prefer this movie? I wonder. So I yeah. I think obviously it's going to and I don't want to speak for the better sex, but What better sex? Let's talk about better sex. Um, but as we've... Listen, listen. It, listen, this this has grown in popularity over the years. Um, most lovers of the golden age of horror, the 70s through the 80s, do like this. I, I don't find a lot of people that say, God, that movie's terrible, okay? And, and I think because of that, there is a fairly big audience, okay? It pairs nicely as a double feature with something similar in Satanic Theme like The Omen, or just because it's such a well-done 80s horror period, 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 terrier, period, no, period film, you could pair it with an early 80s slasher, something like around 1978 to 1983, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps we go with like a 16 millimeter double feature. You know what would be good? Yes. Halloween 2. Halloween 2 with House of the Devil? Yes, that would be good. I could see that. That would be good. I could see that. Um, sequel preview, our next segment, or why we want to see another entry. Sequel, prequel, requel, or not. I don't think we need a sequel to this. I mean, there is room for one when she, well, she's not awake, but you have the nurse sitting beside her telling her, spoiler alert, surprise, her little one is safe. You know, there is room for that. So, but I don't think you need it. Mm-hmm. The word of mouth success of this movie, it's allowed TOS to do more projects, like The Innkeepers, which we both really enjoyed that. And I know you had family that's not hugely into horror that actually enjoyed The Innkeepers. Was that my parent? Oh no, was that my sister? Yeah, it was your sister, yeah. I and mean, they're, they're not, they're not horror fans, but yep. they enjoyed The Innkeepers. Yep which we recommended. Um, there wasn't much box office success, but I do think it was 
US launching point to get him more projects that he wanted to do. Um, and he's starting to do more now, you know, with the, the X movies, which I think are great. He's definitely honing in on, you know, women owning it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, he's starting to get the limelight. Remember when you and I were first married, you know, 15 plus years ago, um, we were talking about him back then. I remember telling you about him, like, you got to see this House of the Devil movie, Carrie. And um, he's starting He's starting to get, I think, the credit that he's deserved for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a fan of this movie, and I agree there's... Um, there, there's, there is something there for a sequel. I mean, I, I don't know if there ever will be backing funny or interest for one. Um, I mean, maybe now he could with the X trilogy, but I have a feeling he's got a ton more original ideas that he wants yeah. to touch on. I feel that if this is something that, that T. West did immediately... Um, after the X trilogy, it would probably be a big hit. It would. Uh, it's, gar- yeah, it's garner- gaining a lot of cult classics. Yeah, it would garner a lot of interest, and, and I think at least one sequel. You know, T. West has been working pretty hard for a long time to finally get to where he's recognized as he is now. I mean, um, you know, I, I've always thought he should have been bigger than he is, and I, I think he's finally getting there. I don't think I'm like you. I don't think a sequel is happening. But T, um, fanboy, fan fiction moment. Maybe we do, or not we, you, do Samantha, The House of the Devil 2, a la Damien 2 style, which we love, by the way, and doesn't get enough um, attention as much as it should. I say call Jocelyn up. You know, is she now the landlady at the same college, keeping an eye on her co-ed age child in the 90s at her alma mater, the kid? Did they state if the kid was a boy or a girl, no, by the way? No, it was just a baby. It just said you're a little one. And... You know, frankly, is it the Antichrist? Probably. So. But to go to that point, which you've never seen American Horror Story, there is themes about the Antichrist in in those um, from a TV perspective. Okay. Listen, just saying. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I was going to say no. I think we can all agree it's not going to happen, probably, but I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes to the long-awaited sequel. The kid works at the pizza shop. Okay? Boy or girl, whoever. You know, we've evolved. The Eclipse Pizza is now our year-round menu item. It takes it tastes great now, all the time. Because the kid has an anti-Christ destiny and can do no wrong. He's got the power to make the perfect pizza. So, he's not struggling like Samantha was, okay? But my twist, he or she can't fully resist the dark powers you know the main people however you got to think about this that finance woman's little family cult the connecticut franchise (laughs) they get word you know the eclipse ritual actually worked they learn the identity identify they learn the identity of the prophesized one they come to collect all hell breaks loose at the college they're fighting off the main baddies but now the kid and the mom hit the road to escape to a cabin of the woods for part three. The House of the Devil, part three. Okay. And then Ash comes knocking. Right? No? Okay. Listen, you get the idea. I, I love Ash. You get the I idea. I love Ash. And you get the we'll idea. touch on that another time. I, look, okay. I'm just like flying off the handle now. I really enjoyed in the, the day, Evil Dead. In the days of requels, 
Henry equals sequels. We can have a sequel, and the time gap does not matter these days. You're true. You're true. See Scream 2022, a.k.a. Five Cream. And yes, if you go on Reddit, Five Cream is a thing, and even what's-his-name from the cast, they made t-shirts of Five Cream. Listen, listen. Uh, let's just back it up because there also could be a prequel to this just to know what have the almonds been doing before this what were their prior attempts and why have they come to connecticut tell me that excellent points excellent points for now listener it is intermission time we're going to take a break before we hit up our next segment listen everybody thank you for sticking with us um appreciate you A quick word on Dying for Midnight content. Our main hub of distribution for these shorter free episodes is the RSS community. You can also hear our horror movie reviews for free anytime on Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Poocast. Sorry, Google. Google (laughs) Podcast. Stitcher and iHeartRadio. You can find our first segment on YouTube as well. Thank you. She picks me up when I am down. We've got our full extended episodes with an Apple Podcast subscription, or you can find us at Help Help the DFM on Patreon. You know, whichever you prefer. This is our passion. If you decide to join our DFM community, we've got three supporter tiers over at Patreon. Come be a goblin, howler, or monster hunter. Hey, check it out. Message us. We'll be over there with some unique bonus content and community interaction. Um, Thank you again to Carl Casey. Carl Casey, White Bat Audio. We love the horror synth um, called The Witch. We, we love all of his stuff, basically. We had trouble picking which one we wanted. You know, hopefully, um, you know, we'll be broadcasting to you soon for segment two. You know, again, wherever you are, whoever you are, know that you can come hang with us. Get cozy with us. It's a thing. You know it's a thing. I'm going to hang my hat on the cozy, comfy thing. Escape with us for a bit. Love yourself. Love one another. You know, um, we can't use Todd Rundgren music, music, but that is what we're feeling in our heart. We're all horror hounds here. We share that in common. And, And Carrie, as we always say, we never met, but we love you anyways. Hey guys, have a good one. Hope to see you for segment two. Peace out. It's intermission. Rise and stretch time. Time to refresh yourself and visit our snack bar. Got a yen for hot popcorn? Your favorite soft drinks are sparkling cold. The juicy Frank sizzling hot. There's delicious coffee freshly brewed and all kinds of ice cream and candy to tempt you. Showtime will be announced loud and clear to get you back to your car in time. So stretch your legs. Come to the snack bar now. Save your battery and your disposition. When it rains, you can still enjoy the movie with a Drizzle Guard rain visor. Simply press suction cups to the windshield as shown in the detail on your instruction sheet. Drizzle Guards are on sale now at the concession stand. Refresh yourself. It's intermission time. The concession stand is open and ready to serve you.